0: All right. We have a returning guest, which I always love. I always love a boomerang. JT, thanks for coming back on, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man.
1: I'm uh, you know, just riding the wave from the convention and um yeah, just getting getting things done here in Orlando.
0: Awesome. So for those that don't know, we were at the IEB Unite conference about a month ago at this point, no? Yeah. Okay. And um there's some great news that you had for me. You are I'll let you break the news of the <laughs> being accepted into another another circle of, uh, of IEB, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, I've been with IEB since like 2019, you know, mm-hmm. and when I got started, there was still kind of, I think they'd been around for a year or two, but, you know, things were still kind of loose and... Um, Dirk, uh, one of the owners of it, put me into the entrepreneur category. And he's like, hey, look, you're kind of right on the cusp of like builder level slash entrepreneur. But with my both companies together, he said, like, let's put you in there. He's like, you're going to feel like a a small fish in a big pond. And um, that's exactly how I felt, right? Like I was way out of my comfort zone. I didn't really know what the terminology that people were talking about. There's a lot of business talk. And so, but, you know, I, I went through that. I soaked in a lot and I always kind of take what I leave and take what I need and leave the rest sort of mentality, like what's going to help serve me today and what the challenges are that I have. Um, because I think that we all kind of have the tendency, especially entrepreneurs, to like take on all these different ideas, right, and try to get them all done at the same time. <laughs> and we just don't get anything done. Right. And so, you know, really just honing in on like what what areas of my business do I need to work on and what's going to be most impactful right now. Right. And um, so I think I had like Man, maybe like seven people at that time when I joined okay. IEV, and um, so you know, small small company, but kind of hit the metrics that I needed to. And um, right now, like if combined both companies, we're at about thirty people um, between Elite Mold Services and CFBI. And um, yeah, we're hitting all the revenue marks, so they're going to level me up to uh, enterprise, which is really phenomenal. Um, I'm I'm excited about it. Um, it's it's kind of like uh, it's their top level right now. Um, my, Hope I'm not spilling any beans, but they're thinking about adding another level at some point. Like an empire,
0: uh, I think I've heard that term get thrown. Yeah, an empire.
1: Maybe. Yeah. And that's kind of like the the people that are pretty far down the road in, in this category, right? That are thinking about how can we turn this into a hundred million dollar company, you know? And so just having that conversation is completely different than the conversation that I'm having today and that I need help with. So Uh, but yeah anyways i'm super pumped about it there's about 17 other companies in there and you know they're the best of the best right the brian and bryans the super inspectors the RIA's. so i'm really pumped about it um looks like probably mark told me anytime now so i'm going to give him the give him the uh clear light and move forward with that but I'm, i'm pumped man you know like that's that's been my experience is that it's been around surrounding myself with the people um that i can learn from and that i respect and like i can take what they're doing that fits well with my values system and my model and use it to help grow my company um you know it's 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 something that has been proven to me like even during covid right like when covid hit everybody was like positioning like how can we do sanitation sanitization services and like let's get into cleaning and like while it was needed at some point, I just, it didn't fit, it didn't fit well with our business model, right? Like, I just didn't want to get into that business. So I didn't do it. I didn't take that step to like, say, Hey, I'm going to start doing this. Right. Even though it's maybe not something I want to do. Um, and it worked out, right? Like we just focused on home inspections and we took tons of market share in our area, um, because of it, right. We're making those calls to realtors and saying, Hey, do you need anything? Like I know everybody's kind of in lockdown right now. Do you want us to go stop by a, a listing of yours to check on it? Like, can we help add value to your life and your clients and your people that you're serving or trying to serve right now in this crazy time? And it, it paid off, right? Like we got a lot of uh, market share.
0: So wow. that was wow. a really long answer. First, first of all, congratulations. I was smiling the whole time because it, it couldn't happen to a better guy, and business owner, and to, to even see the growth you've had from seven people up to where you're at now. And I want to reiterate only 17 other companies are in this enterprise level of IEB and. I've met most of them. They are, in fact, very impressive people that inspire me and you, and people that bring fresh ideas. And uh, to be a part of that, quite an honor. So, congratulations, well deserved, and uh, super happy for you. Thanks, Ben. Let's touch on the value add piece because, you know, say say for the solo inspectors listening, the small the multi inspectors, I'm often preaching add value at all costs, and good things happen. So, like, I just want to actually ask you. this may be kind of redundant from the first episode, where did you get that mentality from of the instinct to just always see how you can add value? Was that learned as a home inspector or did that come from like a previous life?
1: Yeah. So I definitely think that personally, my growth as a person, right? Like from where I was as a teenager and the stuff, the stupid stuff that I got into and my evolution as like a person, right? Has been a big contributing factor. Cause I think that Ultimately, like if you don't have that running through your veins of like a service mentality or like, uh, how can I help others? It's not going to translate well in business, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to feel forced. It's going to feel dirty. Like you're just not going to feel comfortable doing it. So I think a big part of that, and I don't mean to like toot my own horn at all. That's not what I'm doing. But I do think that because I put in the work on me personally, it made that shift easy right? Um, it, it makes it so that it's just what, what I do in life, right? Like I try to give back, I try to help out, you know, and it's looked different from when I was 20 to 25 to 30 to now, I just turned 40 the other day. And so like, and having three kids, like my, my um, priorities are different now, but like even in that same spirit, right? Like giving back to my kids and showing up for them and making sure that I'm teaching that to them, it's kind of like ingrained in me now but it's been a lot of personal work right like um I, i definitely was not like that growing up and i definitely was not like that when i was 20 years old and it was about take 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 right but like having that mentality shift has been a big part of why i'm able to translate that into business and i think you can ask anybody that works for me too like it's i hope they get that same feeling you know working for us as a company um we just had a meeting this morning about how like wally's wally had that great Uh, talk about strategic philanthropy and how to give back, right? Mm -hmm. And how we give back can look different. It's not always just about cutting a check or, you know, doing that. It's about showing up for people and helping out with what they are interested in. I think the biggest hurdle that you're going to have, people will have as a single man operation is your time, right? How much time can you commit to these different extra, you know, extraordinary kind of like gifts while still running a business, you know? And so my experience has been is that I'm so busy when I'm in that technician mindset of doing inspections that I don't have the capacity for it. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that like the only way I'm going to be that person is to get that margin in my schedule to allow me to do that stuff. Mm. Um, because, there's nothing wrong with being a a solopreneur, right? Like doing your own thing, you make good money, right? Like it's a good business. You make great money doing this, but your time is your biggest negative, right? Like because you're doing the work, you don't have time for X, Y, Z with having kids, too, it's really made me realize, like, I don't want to be that dad that doesn't show up to the games or can't show up to the midday meeting with their kids at school or whatever that looks like, right, or take a two week vacation in the middle of summer, you know, because I have to go do inspections. Um, I was thinking about this the other day, too, like, I We took vacations while I was doing my solo thing. And it was like, my business just shut down. Like, you know, (laughs) right? there was nobody answering the phones, right? I was nobody doing inspections and and I wasn't making money. I was outspending money. And so it's fine if you're comfortable with that. But if you want like that, that margin in life and be able to like have some breathing room to like think of creative ideas on how to make your business better, it comes from having that space, you know, and that's been a big part of it for me.
0: I'm so glad you touched on this because it kind of speaks to the intentionality of what game you're wanting to play. And I think a lot of inspectors think they're playing one, but they're really playing the other and you never get off that treadmill of just doing inspections, never taking vacation, never making money while you sleep. And so um, I like that. I like the intentionality. I wanted to go back to the personal growth stuff because I guess I may, I just got done talking to someone on our team here at Spectora about how. Personal growth is completely intertwined and related with your business growth and your career and how your trajectory professionally because it all is driven kind of from the ego and the heart and the mind. and yeah. so what are what's been some of your biggest personal growth kind of uh, moments, resources, kind of how do you view personal growth and how have you always viewed it? Because it's I'm guessing it's a journey that you know that you're on. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the biggest thing is community, right? Like having friends, fam- not necessarily family all the time, but maybe it's friends that are that sounding board, but that are going to be the people that are going to show up and call you on your stuff when it's needed and going to support you through the bad times. So there's like the community aspect that like leveling up that side of things has been a big chain- game changer, right? We all know like the the, the five people that you hang around with, you're going to be, you know, equal to in an income and like. But there's a big part of that that does extend into like how you view the world. What values do you guys share as a group? Um, you know, for me, it doesn't matter who you voted for. It doesn't matter like to whatever degree, right? Like I feel comfortable having that person around. It's more about like, are these people building me up? Are they helping? Am I helping them? Is it a mutual relationship? Am I just not taking, taking, taking? So there's the community side of things, but a lot of it for me goes back to like internal work, right? Like, so when I hear you say something, it's my filters that are the ones that tell, is this a, is this a positive statement? Is this a negative statement? Am I gonna be offended? Am I gonna learn from it? And so like being able to like do that inner work helps me see things differently. Um, they talk a lot about like emotional intelligence. And I think that that's a big part of it too, is like having, the ability to not react to things when it's not needed or, you know, I I don't really know how to describe it other than like, I had to do the work. It's involved therapy. I've gone to therapists for a long time too, just to work out different issues. You know, having kids too, you know, this, they highlight the areas that you need the most help in in life right? <laughs> um, you yes. say like you know your family's the ones that pushes your buttons because they're the ones that install them sort of thing and so but like your kids, you get to see them and they're like basically little versions of you, right? So when they do something, you're like, oh, that sounds terrible, but they've learned it from you most likely, right? A mirror, yeah. Um, And so having the kids too has been a big push for me to keep continuing to work on myself so that I can show up better for my kids. But what that means too is that, right, like I show up better for my employees and the people that work for me and my team and my leadership, you know, team. To be able to say, like, hey, you're doing this wrong instead of like not say that, instead do like, hey, how can we do this better next time? Right? What did you learn from this? We kind of screwed up here. Where can we take this the next time so this doesn't happen? Instead of taking like a punishing mentality or, you know, like, gosh, you just suck, right? Like, you you didn't do this good. Like, it, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, therapy's been really helpful. You know, always reading to like reading different, um, uh, books and listening to podcasts on things. And, you know, I don't know about you, I'm sure you're a big podcast guy, but um, I've got my different categories of things and I kind of get into certain things at different times, like, like maybe health for a little while and then maybe mental health and it may be business related. And I kind of mix a lot of different things in um, all the time. But I've just learned, I'm constantly learning, right? Like that's just a, a key, I think, in, in good leaders is they're constantly learning, they're constantly trying to improve um but not taking it to the extreme either where you're never satisfied with where you're at either so that's that's a big part of it i I don't know if that kind of answered your question
0: oh 100 so um what 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 are some examples of like a podcast or a book that you've read or listened to recently because yes i am a junkie on both and i still feel like i could read more and consume more Um, but yeah it's got to have a balance too
1: yeah, um, you know, my journey to what I've listened to five years ago is different than I listen to now, you know, like, um, man, I'm trying to pull up my podcast real quick here, just yeah, pull it, it up on the spot. So, yeah, okay, so a big one that, um, is for me, obviously, you probably got it, is being a good dad, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm part of Front Row Dads, you know, I, I it's a group that John Broman runs, so I listen to his podcast all the time. Front Row Dads is phenomenal, right? He's a friend with Hal Elrod uh, for Miracle Morning. Um, Hal Elrod's podcast is a great one, so I listen to him all the time. Um, you know, other thought leaders too, like Cal Newport with Deep Work, and he has, he's got a great podcast, Lead to Win, um, you know, with the, the um, Hyatts um there's a lot of a lot of things the dad edge i listen to that for dad stuff um you know it just depends and then i've got my whole business list of things too and in the business genre there's all this personal growth and learning too right like as you know being at a conference about with for a home inspector conference very few uh, of the talks are actually about home inspections (laughs) you know and and we're talking about mindset and growth and different ways of looking at things that aren't even really about doing an inspection. So I, I think that all that kind of plays into it, but I definitely get on kicks for a little while. You know, I maybe go, go real heavy into business and then I'm like,
0: hey, I'm getting kind of burnt out on it. I love the minimalists too. I don't know if you ever listened no, to them or- the minimalist. minimalists. I'll list all these, by the way, in the comments for anyone that's that wants a good list of our joint uh, kind of library.
1: Yeah, the minimalists are great. So they, um, they're big, kind of uh, thing into fame was uh, Netflix. They had a Netflix uh, show about minimalizing, but it's so much more than just minimalizing like your house, right? Like it's internal Mm -hmm. minimalizing, setting values on what's important to you. Like it's a really good podcast too. Um, I love Sam Harris too, Making Sense. I don't know if you listen to Sam Harris, but he's really good on on thought-provoking stuff and just kind of like, self-actualization and it just it gets really deep sometimes and like some of the conversations i'm like whoa i gotta take a bunch of notes and kind of look into this more um but just kind of that stuff but I, you know again whatever you're listening to right like it's that quest for learning and getting better um it's not so much about what you're listening to it's like is this adding value to your life are you constantly kind of in a state of wanting to learn more and grow as a person um you know so that's kind of where it comes from But
0: when do you listen? When do you find time to listen? Is it in the morning? Is it when you're driving? Yeah.
1: So, um, we have a one-year-old now. So, I mean, you know, I had a long, about a year where we were doing naps and bedtimes and stuff. And so I just pop in the AirPods and listen, you know, while I'm in the room with her, if I'm doing, if it's my turn, um, definitely in the cars. Um, yeah, that's pretty much about it on a walk. Sometimes I try to make my walks a little more just, uh, bored time, um, I don't know if you've ever read it, but uh, it's called Comfort Crisis, but it's a really good book mm-hmm. by Michael Easter. It talks about how like we're always doing stuff, right? Like we, we're not bored anymore. And so having that space to like just go for a walk and not be listening to music or not be listening to a podcast and just be bored or do something intentionally so that your your brain is just like unwinding, you know? And so that was really impactful too, is that like I don't always have to be jamming stuff into my head too. Um, A lot of people say that your best ideas come from like taking showers and going on drives when you're just like not paying attention to anything you're just on the open road or you're just in the shower it's because you don't have all this. External stimulus going on, and so you get a lot of ideas that I do also from that so just setting some intentionality around like um, making sure that you're you get bored right like kids aren't bored anymore. They're always doing stuff. We're not bored anymore. There's podcasters, you know, videos. There's just, it's just constant stimulation. And So unwinding too has been a big part of it. Just uh, being able to like soak up what I've learned too. And like, how can I use this moving forward?
0: I love that you brought that up. I was brainstorming just last night about how to document my ideas in the shower. Cause I always have the. the, I feel like breakthrough thoughts are things that I want to like. So I was like, do I need a whiteboard in there? Do I need an audio recorder? (laughs) How do I how do I capture what's in there? And it's it's hilarious because yeah, every time I get out, those like
1: uh, bath crayons,
0: right? <laughs> like you just do a wall with your notes on the shower. Yeah, yeah. I mean, amazing business insights happen in the shower, then they disappear when I get out. So, um, so let's talk. You know, speaking of being at the enterprise level, so what what's changed with where you're at now? Kind of what are the what are the current challenges? Um, you know, where is your head at in terms of operating an organization of what thirty? You said. 30 people, Yeah, right? yeah,
1: 30. Um, That's amazing. So, yeah. So for me, it's intentional growth is always a big one. Like, okay. not loose growth of just like, hey, we got to add bodies because we need to keep up with, you know, XYZ home inspector company. Right. It's about strategic growth, you know, looking at like our numbers, monitoring, market share, our capacity, like that was one of my big takeaways from the conference. I had a few uh, that I can share with you, but one of them is you look at any of these big companies, right, and they're super clear on their numbers. They know their capacity, they know their kill ratios, they know all these you know, business numbers so that they can make informed decisions. And so tightening that up in my company is mm. something that I'm currently working on. Um, I think it's really important because for me, you know, like having a great massive company that makes a lot of money is is fantastic and it helps serve our, our people that are working for us. But if I do sloppy growth, what it ends up happening is everybody's unhappy, right? Because the inspectors don't have the jobs to fill. Now, people are doing half days because I've added five inspectors out of the gate, you know, and our growth team struggling because whatever, you know, whatever changes. So just being really clear on like where we're going, why we're doing it and how we're going to do it. And then taking steps along the way to say, are we hitting those goals? So that's my current kind of thing that I'm working on. Um, building up my leadership team and making them, um, I guess, changing the dynamic of like, Hey, here's a task, a list of tasks to do to them coming to me and saying, Hey, these are the things I want to do. What do you mm. think about this? I've thought of this idea and I'd like to do it this way. Do you think that's a good idea? right? Um, that's a big shift for me. And it's it's something that I've noticed. Um, I had my inspection manager, John, at the conference with me. And he was like, he was glowing by the time it was all done, right? Like he had made all these great connections with other people that do what he did, do what he does. He just was on this high, like he came back and his wife was like, oh my God, whatever you did there, like I want you to do it again. Right, um, And so like, but like, he's got it now, right? Like he's bought in, he understands like what we're doing here. Um, and so like just kind of keeping that flow going, I think that that's a big part to why I listen to podcasts like yours and like other people is like, and doing all the calls with IEB is like, I get to understand and keep that momentum going and hear other people's accomplishments. And it's just kind of like ignites the fire over again. Um, so that's been been kind of like on my table right now is really just solidifying the growth side of things, the the leadership side of things, and then you know, making sure that consistency is there. That's another big thing that I took away from the con- from the convention is that we have to be consistent. As we grow, things get watered down. And it's not me training, it's maybe my team leader's training. And I've trained them, or I trained my inspection manager, but then they trained my team lead, and now my team lead's training my inspectors. And it's like, are they getting the same message that we all got in the beginning when I was doing it? So that's a big struggle. I don't want to say it's a struggle because that's not really where we're at right now, but I know it'll be a struggle in the long run when we keep adding people. Um, And I've seen it in little pockets here and there, right? Like with call people or something like that. Like We have to be very consistent and, and have clear strategies and standards and like make them accessible too i think that's one of the big things that we people tend to do is they make all these lists of things and then they just get like kind of filed away or it's like oh where was that at i don't know where that standard was to to do this and it's like you have to kind of make it like living and breathing as part of your organization so that your guys are constantly talking about it within each division how we answer the phone how we show up to an inspection you know, all the details of that. Like, do we have a shirt tucked in? Do we, you know, give them water when we get, Like, just all those different things, right? Like, but we want to make sure that everybody is going the same
0: way and getting the same message as we get bigger and bigger. Oh, this resonates with me so much. So how do you keep these standards and themes and approaches visible, top of mind? In because we, our businesses are very similar in that it's like a remote type business, right? People operate kind of out in the field on their own. How do you keep these things in front of them?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll be very transparent. It's definitely an ongoing issue. I don't have a solution that's perfect. Um, I think that one of the big things that's helped, definitely on the services side of things, and even from an HR kind of internal standpoint, is having a system like Trainual, right? Like we use Trainual to build out our processes for our trainings for the inspectors. Mm. So they have modules that are built. Everybody goes through them. I had all my old inspectors—not old, but you know, older, uh, longer with me. Inspectors go through them also, so that we have everybody on the same page. And, and what I did—it took a while to form, right? But it was the big brain dump of mine to say, how do I show up to an inspection? What do we do pre and post inspection? And writing all this stuff out. Um, how do we inspect an ac system what do we do with plumbing and like writing all this out and we can include videos we embed videos in there we can include silly things like you know just stuff to catch the eye um, so everybody goes through it it's a really neat system where we can keep track of like who's gone through it uh what their completion rate is and so you know let's say we have a new policy come out about how to interact with dogs you know at the inspection right um so we push that out to everybody, we can then see if everybody's gone through it, we have it from an HR purpose standpoint so it's really nice so trainul has been Ooh. a big game changer from us from that, um, because then we can say hey no inspector a went through this here it is yeah. he knows how to do it he deviated from the plan. Um, so that's one of them, but I do think that part of it like we have a lot that we use in Google Docs and sheets and just internal stuff but again. It can get buried if you're not constantly kind of referring back to it and using it as part of your trainings too and just kind of checking in and so you know whether that's the team lead that's training the new person um your operations manager training the next person that's under her or him you know like making sure that they're using that stuff and i'm guilty of it too right like we had our meeting this morning and my um, ops manager was like hey you remember that thing i was doing for you where i was keeping track of expenses and breaking them down into like different categories Like no, I'm sorry, I <laughs> like, oh, I've been doing it for the last six months. And she's like, and I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I forgot all about it. But that's the type of stuff that we're still working on and like our struggles today.
0: Yeah, it's part of growth. And I think whether you're going from, you know, two inspectors to three to four, it only magnifies. Like I, there was that quote of like, each time you double, it gets like a certain percentage harder, well, like water down all of your policies and procedures. And it gets harder to preserve culture, essentially. What were some other takeaways from the conference um anything else impactful that that you kind of came back really stewing on
1: yeah i think one of my biggest highlights like it's just kind of an overarching kind of like takeaway is that the impact that that single conference can have or has had or will have on people in our industry is amazing right it could be i met somebody that was in home inspections for less than a year He was a single man operation, right? He took off all this time to come to this conference from like Washington or something. And he was fully like, I'm in, like, this is great. But like just the impact that that conference is gonna have and like opening his eyes into maybe next steps, right? Like hiring that second inspector or hiring a phone person and the level of relief that he's gonna get, his family's gonna get, his friends are gonna get, like just the impact of that to to the bigger scale of like, let's say a company like Super Inspector or mine or RA, just the motivation to say, hey, we got to keep putting our foot down on the, the gas and like keep moving ahead with our plans to grow. And maybe I've taken some great ideas from the other companies to help, you know, foster a better culture or, you know, and what that translates to is to happier employees, you know, more people impacted by jobs uh, that can feed their family and have a better career. And so like, just really like the ripple effect of the conference and how cool that is to see like, it could save marriages, right? Like it could save kids from being, you know, hungry. Like there's just a lot of impact that comes from something like that. And so that was my biggest takeaway. Um, You know, I've definitely taken some things from everybody's kind of discussion from you guys at Spectora to Wally's philanthropy to RIAs. You know, like I could just list off the whole of conference everybody's yeah. impact yeah but um you know really that's kind of like the big overarching theme is like the ripple effect of this like even for you guys right like how is that going to look and the changes that you guys are going to make towards helping inspectors or helping your team out like that's very impactful too in people's personal lives and I, I really enjoy that
0: part of it oh huge um I listened to a podcast just yesterday called entrepreneurs on fire and he interview this guy named Ed Ed Milet. he just he just wrote a book that i think's coming out soon called like one more thing i think and it it talks about the impact of one discussion one text message one mentor one conference how that can literally separate the winners from people that don't get to certain levels or just really change the trajectory of your of your life and i feel it too i'm always seeking out now that one conversation or insight that could help change all of our lives so definitely felt that at the conference. Um, You know, some of those are conversations with you and other enterprise members.
1: I think too, like just the ability to listen to something like that, right? And like, but take action on it too, is a big thing. Um, You know, uh, Michelle from IAB had mentioned that like when we were doing the interview for like me, um, you know, leveling up, um, she's like, JT, you're not an asshole. She's like, you don't just ask and ask and ask and not do anything with it. She was like, you take that and you move and you do stuff with it when you ask somebody for it. And it's like intentional, right? Like, and I think that's a big, big thing is that, you know, we learn these things. And like, honestly, like I was saying before, we have so much stuff coming into us, but like being in touch with like what resonates with you, like how does it make you feel when you heard that podcast? And then what can you do with it moving forward, right? Like, is it, hey, I'm gonna text a friend I haven't thought of you know, in, in tomorrow morning and just say, hey, how are you doing? You know, that could totally impact his life, right? Because he's struggling with whatever. And so, but like, just listening to it, it's kind of like, for me, it's kind of just like selfish, right? Like in the sense of like, you could just take, 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 and then not do anything with it. And it doesn't help anybody. But I know people like you and everybody in Spector is like really wanting to like give back. And so I know that that type of stuff is really helpful. Um, and you have to share it too. You have to be willing to share that conversation that you had or that, you know, that what you listen to with other people so that it can help that ripple effect again.
0: You're a perfect example of that coming on the pod again, just to put yourself out there to share, to have a dialogue, and hopefully it helps someone somewhere. And that's kind of part of the goal, right? Yeah, Um, absolutely. What do you keep up with kind of the macro environment, the economy? Um, How much do you pay attention to like housing numbers? Or do you keep everything very focused on like market share? Like how are you feeling in the current environment now with, with potentially what's ahead?
1: I was feeling good, and then like I saw IAB was doing like this all members call about like people struggling and stuff, and like I, I guess part of it too is market specific. Like we're in Orlando, <laughs> Florida. It's very popular here. Everybody and their brothers moving to Florida, so we have like a really crazy housing market as far as being busy, um, but we have very low inventory. We do keep tabs on this stuff. Like it's important to know, like hey, we're in the home inspection business. Like we need to keep tabs on the real estate business. So there's definitely a level of like monitoring how many listings are coming on, who's doing the work, like who, which agents are killing it out there, you know, cause you could market to the bottom 10% and you may get one job out of it. Like, it's just, True. you have to be very intentional about who you're marketing to and um, you know, going after the big fish so that you, you know, you're in front of them. So there's definitely that side of it. I would say that I'm not too, um, Currently, I'm not too worried about like our economic, um, you know, certainty with the U.S. Mm -hmm. I do feel like something's coming, right? Like everybody's kind of, things are on the page that say, hey, something's going to happen. Things are going to shift around. Um, Being in a position where we're at, where we're, you know, ready to add two more inspectors coming up, we're probably going to hire somebody here in the next month and maybe another person too. Again, going back to the intentional growth, saying, "Hey, if we take these two people on, are we pretty certain that we're still going to be able to fill their their job slots, even if things wobble a little bit? Now, if the bottom falls out completely, like that's a different story, and we have some internal kind of like, okay, what are we going to do if that happens? If our inspections get cut by fifty percent, right? Like right. we're we're hovering around four hundred fifty inspections a month right now for just the home inspection company, not not considering the mold company, we're at about hundred or so for that, but." Um, you know, what happens if it gets cut to 200, right? So internally, we have our plans. We're gonna double up inspectors. We're gonna make sure everybody's still at least getting a little piece of the pie. We're gonna, you know, potentially change services if different things are needed. Um, You know, some other thing that's come up recently too that I've been seeing other companies offer is like the pre-listing inspections that get paid out of escrow, right? Like that's, Guardian is now offering some course on how to do that. And at first, like, I'm just like, oh, that sounds like a terrible idea. And the more I think about it, I still think it's a bad idea, but, you know, like, I have to be, <laughs> right. I have to be aware to it, of like, yeah, yeah, I have to be aware of it because I could literally have half of my competitors in the area now offering pay at close, no money out of pocket right now, get your inspections done. And it's something I need to be aware of, right? Because I don't want to get caught with my pants down and not be aware of it. Right. So we definitely keep our finger on the pulse, but I definitely am not changing day to day based off of market conditions or, you know, the born in Ukraine or like anything like that. Like, it's not not that level. Um, you know, and there's some people in our, in our industry that are way ahead of the curve and they're probably gonna see stuff coming way ahead of time. And, you know, maybe I'm, I don't get it right then, but hopefully with our community, we can all keep each other in the loop on different things that are happening and,
0: you know, pivot when needed, I guess. I specifically loved asking you that question because I, I am constantly striving to be kind of that calm operator, like, you know, cooler heads prevail kind of thing and interpret data as it comes in because it's so easy to react and knee jerk react to anything that comes in and especially our industry is pretty good at that. And so you, you model really well of saying, hey, we have a strategy, we're going to stay the course, but we're willing to adapt. We just have to see proof that we need to, rather than just firing off at the new thing that's out there.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, we may lose some ground because of it because we're not at the precipice of the change. But I kind of feel like I'd rather be in this position where I can make a, a better decision based off of like more facts than more emotional kind of reactions to things. Um, but you know, like internally too, like I've got a few IB members locally that we kind of keep in touch and we just check in with things. Like you know, I've got big changes that are potentially on the horizon on how we do business. But it's something that we discussed from a leadership standpoint, I put it down through whatever channel like services operations whatever whoever it's going to affect we run it to them. I've always been like, hey let's check in with everybody instead of just changing it too. Um, So like we can get some buy in too. like if we're going to start changing things I want everybody to be on board with it, at least for the majority. There's always going to be people that are going to say like oh, I don't know if that'll work, and that's just internal, right? Like that's their own internal kind of belief systems, and you know, certain they need certainty before stepping out and um, but putting it out there to let everybody know, hey, this is kind of in the works, it may change, and this is how it would look. Um, you know, one of the things too that's been really helpful for us is we use the AcuMax profiles, right? And some people love personality tests, some people hate them. Um, this is more behavioral, you know, in, in nature, um, mm-hmm. but. It's been helpful for us to really look at like people's intrinsic kind of wiring to say like hey is this something that they need a lot of headspace or like head headway on to, to for this change coming up or are people like is this person like hey bring it on like i'm good with change like just throw it at me and like i'm gonna i'm gonna approach different people in different ways because of the way that they're you know wired um i have one guy um And he cracks me up, he's older gentlemen, but he just hates change, right? Like he does not like change at all. So like, I have to really prep like the change, like a month out, like put the seed (laughs) down and say, Hey, I'm thinking about this, like just to give you a heads up. And then like, as it gets closer, yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards doing this more, but you know, like you have to treat people that way. Otherwise their world is like shaken. If you change things and they're not ready for it. so having that personal kind of connection with everybody, too, and like being able to like drill into how does this person need to get news has been really helpful for us, I think, as an organization so that people are
0: still happy with change. Do you AccuMax in interviews or do you do that once they're on the team to kind of understand each other better?
1: Yeah, yeah no, I definitely do it on the pre-interview. It's kind of like our first step, like on our website, Beautiful. we have a careers page. I have a, a CFBI survey. I have the AcuMax link and I have the Acumen link, and like that's kind of initial because like if I get somebody way off from the role, like uh, like Dirk says all on his trainings, like if you put somebody in a position that they're not made for, it's gonna just they're just gonna lead to it's gonna be unhappiness all around, right? You're asking somebody that's not detail oriented not patient with people and wants to do their own thing all the time to be an inspector, it's like, it's going to be a disaster, right? Like, they're yeah. going to get upset with their clients. They're going to not be able to adapt to change. They're not going to, they're going to miss all this stuff. So like really just kind of looking at somebody on that side of things initially to kind of like screen out people has been really helpful too. So we we're having conversations with people that I know are going to be set up for the, the position. Oh. And, It could be from a phone screener too, right? Like a phone call scheduler, right? Like you have to be a certain type of person to answer the phones, to take details down, to communicate bad news to people, like whatever that looks like, right? And I've got some inspectors. I don't even want to say inspectors because that's not right because they deal with people all the time. But there's some people on my team that I just would not put in that role. Right? right. Because they're not going to succeed. And so having that kind of tool, um, whether it's, you know, a disk profile or something else, too, has been been really helpful. But we just use the AcuMax stuff because it's been been very, very impactful.
0: Yeah. Love that. I think we've we've dabbled in it and I think it's something we have to revisit um, even at Spectora. Um, cool. I appreciate your perspective on that. I think that the upfront interviewing and, and process eliminates pain down the road. And how can you even scale without knowing that about your leaders? What have you, what's worked well with building up your leaders in your organization? Like what, what can you point to as certain things that really helped build up those underneath you or beside you? I guess I'll stay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, I would say that for me, it's really, I kind of set like an internal clock For them to say, hey, like, you have to be with me a certain amount of time before I put you into a role like that, right? They need to know me and how I operate. I need to know them at their best and their worst. Um, It's not something for me yet that I've done. I know a lot of companies now are hiring outside of the inspection industry, like, you know, somebody that worked for a completely different industry and they're bringing them in as a growth director, right? it's definitely on the table, right? Like I just haven't had that experience yet. So I don't know how to really do that. But for me internally, it's really getting to know somebody, making sure that again, they're going to be the right person for the job, that they have the desire for it. Um, One of the things that I did about a year and a half ago was I sent out a big company-wide culture survey and just kind of like checking in with them to say like, Hey, how are things going? Do you want more? Do you feel like we're putting too much on you? And it's, it's, Exactly how I pictured it or how it came out in the survey, but everybody, I had one question in there was like, hey, would you like uh, more responsibility? And like, you know, it was a scale of things. And like somebody was like, the end was, I have my hand way up, like, I want more, give me more, right? And so the two people that had said that were the two, are the two people now in my leadership roles, right? And so Mm -hmm. just looking for that type of person that's like, hey, give me more. I want to learn more. I want to do more. I think even one of my questions in there was about like, hey, would you like to run the company someday? Do you like where you're, like, it was like, do you like where you're at? Do you want a little bit more? Are we not challenging you enough? Do you want to like have a leadership role or do you want to run the company? And again, it was like the two people that were furthest down on that list are my two leaders, you know, because they were like, look, I'm, I'm I'm hungry for more. I want more. So like that's been that's been helpful is just, again, getting to know our people and making sure that they're on board with it. Um, you know, we do monthly book clubs, like just leadership books and different things that we do internally. Um, You know, again, kind of looking for people that are really into personal growth and like wanting to grow and and IED trainings, bringing them into that, sending them through RGT, like doing anything that we can to like get them in a different mindset. I, I feel like most people that come into our business, they don't have this type of like culture in other companies that they worked for. And so it's foreign to a lot of people and it feels uncomfortable sometimes. Like I've I've had some people come in and they're at like our quarterly team meetings or something. And it's like, you could just tell they're like uncomfortable with some of the, the discussions, but then they get through it. Right. They realize like, Hey, this is all good stuff. And like, whether they jump on the bandwagon and start doing the things that we suggest as a company to like better yourself, it's up to them, you know, but, um, it definitely is a culture of like wanting to be better as a person and, you know, that's, I guess, comes from me, but it also comes from like our atmosphere too that we have here.
0: Yeah, it's it's apparent how the the influence you have. Um, That's amazing. Can you send me those questions, the survey, the culture yeah, survey? and yeah, I'm just yeah. curious how. Yeah, because we we send out a similar one. I'd love to even just learn learn from you of kind of the, the ways you ask questions because they sound yeah, very yeah, sure. very good. Um, you mentioned in the notes too, wanting to chat. Um, you know, digital presence for Realtor Direct as a growth strategy. Do you have any i guess new or current thoughts on growing through digital means versus kind of the tried and true bang the phones call realtors um so
1: with our business like we've been around for a long time like the mid 80s right my dad started the company like we've been here in central florida for a very long time right so we have a good footprint but like i mean not many of the agents that used us back in the 90s right are still around or they're using us i mean there's a handful of them right that just love us um, so it's constantly acquiring new customers and because we've been around so long, we've got a very longstanding website. We've got good SEO. Like we're, we're number one on all of our key terms. You know, we've got like 1300 plus Google ratings, the five star. So like, we've just saturated the market from like an SEO standpoint that when you have those customers that don't go with their realtors referral, which, you know, nowadays millennials, like oh, people just, they don't. There's a lot of them that do, but there's a lot of them that want to find their own people, right? They don't want the influence of the realtor. So because of our kind of saturation of the the SEO world, we have a good position to pick up a lot of people, whether it's through Yelp. You know, it's going to be different for every market, right? Yelp, Facebook, uh, you know, whatever, paid advertising. We don't do any pay-per-click right now, um, but organic traffic, local search, you know, Google posts, whatever that looks like, right? Making yourself visible on all fronts is helpful and it brings in customers which then brings us to the table with the realtor that we may not have worked with before. And you know that realtor Susie Smith with Remax now is in front of us and she realizes man my inspector doesn't do this or he doesn't use thermal or whatever you know whatever that kind of differentiating point is. Um, that's always been helpful for us is the digital side of things. And I was just looking at her numbers depending on how you shake everything out like um, we're somewhere in the 20 to 30% range for online traffic, as far as Beautiful. like people giving mm-hmm. us referrals and saying, Hey, I found you online by on myself, you know, by myself. Um, the realtors is another portion of the pie. Um, but, you know, I have some companies that I've heard that they're like 90% realtor referrals and that's, it's not sustainable. And it puts you in a kind of a weaker position, I think from like a marketing and, and just, inspection lead standpoint because you're hoping that you don't piss off the realtor and make them upset and then now there goes all half of your inspections. So having having that and like um we did this with our pod like I meet with a group of home inspectors, uh, kind of local guys, um, every week and you know looking at different strategies around SEO and stuff. And like I showed them all our stuff and like all of our stuff is really pristine in the sense that like we go and we update everything, right? Like Angie's list, Yelp, like even if we're not getting a lot of traffic in there, it's like, it's important for me to show up well in whatever area that is. So that if you have that homeowner going to Angie's list, we look clean there, right? Like we look great. We've got 70 plus reviews or five star, like we're active on there. And so having that available across the board has been really helpful because I know some people just focus on one avenue, maybe it's Google reviews, right? But then they scroll down and they're a little, knowledge panel and it shows Facebook, you know, a two star rating because they only have two reviews and one of them is a one star and one's a three, you know, like just making sure that you're keeping track of all that stuff is so helpful. Um, and then honestly, you know, putting out content consistently so that Google comes back to you and you're, you're touching on local issues. Like one of our, my mold company, one of our biggest, um, blog traffic increasers during the pandemic was, do I have mold in my face mask? Right, so I mm. created this blog on can I get mold growing in my face mask, and so like that's been huge for us as far as traffic.
0: It's a awesome. silliest
1: thing, but it was a term that I kept seeing coming up when you start typing mold
0: and you know yeah. like in the search.
1: So just creating content like that, and there's a lot of guys in the IAB community that do it probably better than I do, um, but you know just having a really clean, visible profile online in whatever category that is, you know whether it's paid or unpaid. Um, SEO is kind of changing all the time too. So strategies that worked five years ago don't work now. So we just try to do the, the fundamentals and we do it really well.
0: You know? So you do the writing. So you write.
1: No, so yeah, I don't want to take credit for it. So what we do is we have a company that uses that we, we use mm-hmm. to write the blogs. And then mm-hmm. I have my my own internal SEO person um, that does our website. He goes in and doctors it up. Right. So we'll Beautiful. get like, let's say we purchase a 500, word blog or a 1000 word blog or 1500 word blog, then we go in and we saturate it with our local key terms and and maybe something else. But we approve the the article title, we make sure that it's kind of something that we want to talk about and that's trending and then we doctor it up for us.
0: Love that you have an in house person I always advocate for that around the 510 inspector mark of like you have to have someone that knows writing knows SEO, that can kind of help curate these blog posts. very cool. You mentioned something just a second ago. Oh, the, the being in multiple places. Um, so many inspectors have an ego about what they feel about a certain company or website instead of just wanting to get another job that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. So I love that you're so practical. Of like, if they go to Angie's List and book with us, they're still booking with us.
1: Yeah. And you know, and some of them are paid for, right? And you, you do have to monitor return on an investment. If you're spending $1,000 somewhere and you're getting one inspection a month, don't do it, right? Maybe they have a free listing option and it's just, hey, you're listed on Yelp, but you're not paying for it. But that still goes towards your SEO. It's a direct link to your website. You know, like there's different things that you can do that make sense. You know, there's the home advisors of the world. We're, we're not in that world. We, don't, we tried it out a long time ago. It wasn't for us. You know, it just doesn't fit with how we run things. So we don't do it. Um, but there are some things that are legitimate, right? Like, and when we just pound those out, the the fundamentals, the Facebooks, the Angie's list, the Yelp, the, you know, anything that's going to show up high on Google, you have to look too. like, is this let's say Yelp, for example, Yelp is a highly ranked, um, you know, company online. And so if you're listed in there, you also have the potential for being listed and it boosts up your SEO. So just different strategies like that are really helpful, Uh, but also keeping the dollar in mind. It's not always about throwing money at it, right? Like you have to be intentional about what you do.
0: Love that. Love that. Um, All right. I got some quick hitter questions that uh, thanks to Trish Wise, she told me she thought it would be fun to always have some constant questions at the end. So I appreciate you playing along are you you're not in the field anymore correct no i'm not when you were what was your favorite tool or toy uh in the tool belt in the home inspector tool belt man
1: so for me it doesn't really go to like oh my electric screwdriver or my thermal (laughs) imaging or something for me in knowing how my brain works i needed to have a tool to get the thoughts out of my head and into like some sort of actionable you know, system so that I could get it out of my brain. I didn't have to think about it, but I would take action on it later. So for me, it's an iPhone and it's the Reminders app. Um, You know, it's free, it's on there. It's, hey, um, I, I have to call back, you know, Bob from Remax right? Uh, hey Siri, set a reminder for, you know, 2 p.m. Uh, to call back Bob or, you know, set a reminder for to when I get in the car and I connect with my car to call back Bob, right? It takes the pressure off of my brain. I can, my phone's trying to set a reminder for Bob now, um, uh-huh. but, you know, basically get it out of my brain. I can focus on what I'm doing and, you know, maybe it's the idea, the next, the next thing that I want to do, right? Like we have all this stuff kind of floating around and in my head uh, and I want to get it out and I want to set like is this something that I want to take action on when do I want to do it how do I want how does that look like and so for me just that was probably the biggest thing because again especially as a solopreneur and doing your own thing you've got so many tasks that you're doing right get them out of your and head you're worried about something else down the road you're not focusing on what's right in front of you and it could cost be costly and repairs and all that
0: stuff too so oh. The simplest ones are the best love that love that um what's one thing you should never do as a home inspector
1: for me i would say probably compromising my values right like whatever that looks like if it's on site or you know the realtor calling to ask to like bend something some way or i think that's for me like i guess to back up being very clear on your values, right? Like what's important to you, what, how do you wanna show up in the world and making sure that you're very aware of that and then not compromising that through the day to day.
0: Love it. What's one piece of advice for new inspectors that you'd give them?
1: For me, it's, um, you know, connecting with somebody at every job, like no matter who it is, right? Like if it's the listing agent, the buyer's agent, you never know when your next kind of jackpot's going to be from an agent or that connection that you're going to make with a buyer that could lead into him joining the team. You know, like we've gotten so many people that have had home inspections with us, with other companies, and they're like, man, this is a pretty cool profession. And then, you know, they come join the team or they will offer somebody else. And so you never know who, what kind of impact somebody's going to have on you or you're going to have on somebody else. So I think just making that time, even though it's tough, right? Like there's some jobs where you're just so busy, you can't make the connection as well as you wanted to, but just making an effort to like really try to connect with somebody. Um, We have a top producing agent in our area. And so I actually was out in the field probably a few years ago as a special favor for a remediator friend of mine that was buying a place. And I just, his agent showed up, I didn't know who she was. Um, And so I just started chatting with her, like, oh, what do you look for in, you know, an inspector? How do you you know, how do you like them to show up? What, how do you do more listings, buyers, you know, just chatting it up, right? And she just loved me, right? So she started using us as a company. I mean, she gives us like 40, 50 deals a year. Um, And so, you know, just having that type of like little simple interaction where it's not just, hey, look at my thermal imaging camera and look what I can do. (laughs) You know, like it's about, hey, how are things going for you? What do you, what do you look for? For an inspector, oh, we do that too. So you know, having that connection with her, open the door. And so I think you know, again, connecting with the seller, connecting with the buyer, connecting with whoever you can on site turns into referrals down the road.
0: Beautiful. One wish list item for Spectora. Oh man, I I got a few. (laughs) (laughs) Send me the rest and give me the give me the yeah yeah. So
1: okay. Well, I may have to tell you a few. So, okay, so for, um, I know my ops manager would want me to say a a widget internally for quoting, Um, not so much like the, the online version one that you have, where you have to put in all the information, it's just more about like for our scheduling team, since we use advanced, right? Like having some sort of window pop up where we can just plug in an address and it spits out every single price that we have for like those services that we're selecting, right? We don't have to put in contact info, just boom, right in the scheduling section. That would be one. Um, and then I'm still, we're still racking our brains about this one internally, but automatic storage for photos for multi-inspector firms that don't use business phones. So what's the best way to not have all of like, not make it too cumbersome, but to be able to upload the business photos into some sort of port? I know there's some solutions out there. I just haven't found one that really fits well for us. So we're trying to brainstorm it. But those are my two top ones. I
0: would say. Awesome. Those are so good. And things we are actively thinking about how to, how to come back yeah, to get them to get those photos uploaded with the inspection and off their device. Yeah. Cool. We got through, them. We got through the questions, man. Thanks for yes. playing along. Ooh, um, fun. yeah, <laughs> man, this time flew by. I feel like we, we need to do like another hour. Every time I talk to you, it's never enough yeah, time. Game. Um, but thank you for joining, man. Again, we just, we just go off on a tangent and then an hour goes by. You know, so hopefully it was fun and uh, hopefully the audience enjoys it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm always here for you. And I love chatting with you. And um, yeah, it helps me out, too, in the long run. It gets my, my face out there. And, you know, people can hopefully learn something from me. And I'm always available, too. um If anybody wants to connect, um, you can email me. It's jt at cfbinspect.com. Um, and yeah I'd love to connect with anybody
0: awesome I'll link to the website your email Um, I'm sure people will want to get in touch you're so approachable and and just have such a great demeanor about you and then so I can't tell you how thanks man how happy I am for all of your success because it it just makes me happy because you're doing it the absolute right way and uh, you have a great freaking team with you too yeah
1: thanks man so do you yeah you guys keep keep on keeping on too you guys are awesome
0: well cool all right well we will talk soon my friend appreciate you have a good one. All right, bye, see ya.